I think uh, a lot of us, a lot of us struggle with the same things. Um, you know, it's it's nice to talk to people, and it's like, oh, okay. I'm, you know, wh- what are what are some of the things uh, you can just shout them out to me that uh, that you guys talk about? Self, okay. And time, time, right? Yeah, that's good. I know. Trust and security. Oh, act, what does activities mean? Okay. Yep, putting things ahead. And then, I'm sorry, I missed the other thing. Fear. Witnessing. Okay. Yep. So, let me ask you, are these fruit problems or root problems? Are these... Uh, a symptom of something else, or is this the root of the problem? I think a lot of times we can, a lot of these things, the, the, the fear, the time management, um, trust, putting other things in front of God, these are, um, th- these can be the fruit of what is actually the root of the problem. And as we dive into Mark 10 today, uh, as I was reading through it and studying this, I'm like, man, this is, this is the same problem over and over. The fruit is changing, but the root of each one of these issues is the same thing. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. From Mark 10, um, Mark chapter 10. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you're following along, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to look at a a few different stories here, and we're going to look at what is the root of these problems. So, here we go. I know this this may be hard to read. I, I had to put two versions up, because this is a verse that gets misunderstood a lot. If you read it in the NIV or the NLT, some of the newer translations, um, it the the translation is confusing with the word divorce. So I put a side by side with the King James, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But here we go. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him. And as was, with, as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And what they're actually asking here is, is, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? So you have um, divorce, which um, God actually created, believe it or not, that God created a, a way to safely exit a marriage because we live in a fallen world of sin. And so uh, what you would have to do is write a certificate of divorce and give that to your spouse, and then you would send them away. But then there is also a thing called putting away or sending away where you would send the spouse off with no certificate of divorce. So... Technically, you're still married, right? Does that make sense? 
So in order for it to be a biblical divorce, there has to be a certificate of divorce. But that didn't always happen. Sometimes, like a husband would send the wife away and not give them a, a certificate of divorce. This is very problematic because they couldn't remarry, um, could put them in a very impoverished situation um, if they couldn't work or couldn't uh, be able to earn enough money to live and really put them in a, in a bad spot. So God protected the people by creating a, this way. So uh, the, the term here being used is putting away, sending away. And so Jesus responds, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and then send her away. Jesus replies, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote this law. Jesus replied. So, we see, um, again, Jesus saying, hey, this was in the law. Moses wrote this law, put it in there that there must be a certificate of divorce, and then shalak, or send and separate. So, um, so, but what did Jesus say? The reason this had to be created was because your hearts were hard. So, like, this is not plan A. Marriage is a covenant, right? And in a covenant, the two become one, right? And so this, this is God's perfect plan, and this is what we want. Right? This is what we're striving for. And he says, yeah, you know what, what, what ruins that? Hard hearts. Self. It's self. Right? It's putting yourself above the other person. And now please, please hear me again. There, there is a place for protection where you need to get out of a marriage. Right? And, but it's because sin has entered that and it's no longer safe or what have you, right? But the enemy of covenant is self. And that's how we end up in these situations. So if we, if we want to avoid that, if we want to avoid the statistic of 50% of marriages ending in divorce, right? And it's not any different in the church then what do we have to do? Die to self. Because self is the enemy of covenant. So Jesus is saying, yeah, you're right. Uh, you can't just put them away. And that's what was happening. These, uh, And we'll talk about this in, in the next verse. So I won't get too far ahead of myself. But Jesus is saying, yes, but the root of the problem here is self. It's hard hearts. It's sin. It's putting yourself in front of your spouse. Church, we need to follow the example of Jesus. Right? If we want to see better marriages in the church and be the example, we should be the example for the world. Right? Marriage is a biblical precept. That's our thing. 
Marriage is our thing. Right? We have not been a good example to the world. And so I want to encourage you today to examine what does it mean to die to self? What does it mean to live with putting your spouse first? Let us not have hard hearts, but be the example. Jesus uh, continues on, and he says, But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united with his wife. The two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. Anyone who divorces his wife, and, and again, this uh, NIV uses divorces, but the, the term here is puts away. Whoever puts away his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces or puts away her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. So what's happening is you would have these, these men that would send their wives away, not give them a certificate of divorce, and then they would remarry. And Jesus is saying, y'all are committing adultery. This is not the way it was designed. Right? And again, God set up protection. He, he cares. Uh, a lot of times Christianity is, is considered or, or criticized for being patriarchal and doesn't care about women. This is women's rights from Moses' time. Right? This, is, this was not the norm. But God said, hey, I, we need to set up some protections here so that women aren't taken advantage of because they would be put out of the house without a certificate of divorce. They couldn't remarry, and then they were stuck in a bad spot. But a lot of these men would go on and take wives, but they're not divorced. And Jesus has said, this is adultery. This is sin. This is hard hearts. This is self. The root of this problem is hard hearts. It's self. We need humility in our marriages. We cannot let uh, the depravity of sin and self Play out. So, I want to encourage you today to examine your heart. Examine your heart. When, when there's difficulties in a marriage or uh, even in a relationship, friendship, whatever, family member, Nine times out of ten, not 100% of the time, but nine times out of ten, when you look at the root of the problem, what is it? It's self. Right? It's, well, I want this. I have to win. I have to get my way. It's, it's putting yourself in front of the other person. 
and and I and I really want to emphasize this that God does care more about people than the institution of marriage. That may be hard hard to hear. Same thing with Sabbath. God created the institution of Sabbath, but what happened when human need went past the need for Sabbath? Jesus said, was man created for Sabbath or was Sabbath created for man? Right? They they had to eat. They were starving. So we picked some grain so that they could eat because human need is greater than Sabbath. There are some situations where somebody may need to leave a marriage because it's not safe or or what whatever that may be. And God said, you know what? You are more important than this institution. So please don't misunderstand what we're saying. But what we're looking at is before it gets there, let's back it up in how did we get there. It all started with self. It all started sin entered that place because of putting yourself in front of your spouse. And like I said, this um, biblical precept transcends to all relationships, right? If, if we want to be a good family member, a good parent, a good son or daughter, a good friend, what makes uh, a good relationship thrive, right? Serving the other person, being Christ-like, right? He was the example of that. And so I want to encourage you today to examine your heart. If you're having conflict in your life, um, we, we definitely, we have a tendency to point the finger at other people. But today, today we're going to look in the mirror. Today we're going to look in the mirror and say, am, am I being putting myself first? How can I help this situation? So in Mark, Mark chapter 10, he continues to go on in, in more teachable moments, if you will, as we continue reading in verse 13. It says that people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. That's nice, right? Some children coming to Jesus. But the disciples rebuked them. The disciples rebuked these parents bringing their children. When Jesus saw this, he was what? Indignant. He, he was a little upset. He was, he was bothered a little. He, he was <laughs> indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the, and he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. God's not an angry God, and you know that's that's true. I, I hear you. He he was angry here. He he was angry here, right? Uh, because this is you got to understand the importance of this, and it, this is a problem. We we don't 
understand the importance of children in youth ministry sometimes, right? Sometimes we consider church an adult thing. It's, it's for me. It's for me. Well, I mean, we, you got the family pastor up here, so, you know, I got the microphone. But I feel like children in youth ministry should have a waiting list for volunteers. Right? Because we should be bringing the children to Jesus. This should be the most important thing. Well, I don't want to miss a service, you know. I'm like, hey, we got two. Attend one, serve at one. It's great. But what was the problem? Hey, we're doing something here. We're doing something here. Go, go away. What is the root of the issue here? It was self. It was self. It was, hey, what I'm doing is more important. What I'm doing is more important. And Jesus is like, no. No, we have to become like them. Bring them to the front. Let's go. And I'm thankful. We, we have a healthy children and youth ministry here. I love when we have our family worship time and you know, the kids are up here waving the flags and the people in the front row are like, you know. But it's just like nobody's complaining. Like, no, this is awesome. Let them come. Let them come. And I'm, I'm thankful for that culture. We, we have a multi-generational culture here. And I think that is the heart of God. Right? And, man, I, I commend you for that, Christ community. But... When we look at the, the core structure of, of our society and what's important in the culture, a lot of it is built on family, right? And so here, back to back, in the book of Mark, we have Jesus addressing marriages and addressing children and how we, we treat children. And the message is the same in both. Self is the enemy of covenant. Right? We need strong marriages. We need strong families. We need children that are being raised up in the Lord. Being championed by the generations before them. Because guess what? If we don't do that, if we don't do a good job with that, then we are only one generation away from our faith fizzling. Right? And we saw that happen in the Bible. Imagine telling the Israelites that. If you don't, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, path, passing this down to your children. And imagine telling Israel, you know what? There will be a generation that doesn't know the word of the Lord. That doesn't even know that exists. They'd be like, yeah, get out of here. That's never going to happen. But we recite the prayers every day. We, we do all the things. But they weren't living it. And what happened? They found these scrolls. What are these? This is the word of the Lord? What is this? We, how come no one told us about these? We, we should be doing this. That literally happened. There was generations who didn't know the Lord. They found the scrolls and they were like, what is this? I talk with kids out in the parking lot. 
it, just yesterday, there was kids out in the parking lot. I went out, talked to them, brought them in the youth building, gave them some water and um, a couple pops. And they, they were like, what is this place? This is a church. This is where we have youth group. What's that? What do you guys do here? So what, we, have, we have church. Yeah, like what do you do? They had no idea. They never, teenagers, teenagers never been to a church. We have a generation who doesn't know the Lord. Because we've been worried about taking care of ourselves. Right? So, healthy marriages, healthy families are going to start with dying to self. Put your spouse first. Put the kids first. So these are things that we need to work on. So they continued on their way, picking up in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, give false testimony, shall not defraud, or, uh, and honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he responds, and he responds out of love, and he says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You've probably heard this story if you've been in church. This man comes in. And Jesus, What I think sometimes we think like Jesus was like, I'm going to get this guy. No, like Jesus loved this guy. Had compassion for him. He's like, yeah, I know. I know that you have kept the commandments. You follow the rules outwardly. But have you died to self? You're you're obeying the commandments. You're doing the right thing. But in your heart, in your heart, have you died to self? Who's on the cross? Who's on the throne? You may have heard this before. It, it can't be both. Either you're on the cross and Jesus is on the throne, or you're on the throne and Jesus is on the cross. He says, you know, you're doing pretty good, but you got to die to self. You cannot put anything up in front of me. You have one area that you haven't surrendered. If you want to fully follow me, then you have to fully Surrender. This is hard. This is not like flashy stuff. This is not the feel-good message. If you want to follow me, come and die. Daily take up your cross. This is not a prosperity gospel. In fact, it's the opposite. This is the sell-everything gospel. Right? You want to... 
fully follow the Lord, then you need to be fully prepared to surrender all to what Christ is calling you to. It means that others' success might be more important than your own. And it's not, and it's not a sin to be successful. Don't, hear, don't mishear what I'm saying here. But following the leading and the prompting of God and what God is calling us to, if we can do that, if we can die to self. And the thing is, when we look at this and when we have these conversations, we're going, this is impossible. How are we going to do this? I will never live up to this. And you are right. You are right. You, you won't. We will fall short. Thank God for our way maker who makes a way for us. Thank God for his grace. But what are we doing? Are we striving towards it? Jesus, uh, our, the disciples, they, they thought the same thing. Well, we're in trouble. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And, you know, I always read this and I'm like, well, I, he's not talking about me here. Obviously, I don't fall into the rich category. Right? But I was thinking about this as we read it. Like, at the time Jesus said this, at the time he was talking about it, I probably would be considered a rich man. Like, you know, I got a one and a half baths, you know, I got a little, little fenced-in yard. It's not very big, but my grill fits back there, you know. Uh, got more than one pair of shoes. You know, we're comfortable. We're comfortable. We don't consider ourselves rich, but, you know, when if we really examine what we have, like, we're doing okay. How hard is it for us to enter the kingdom of God? And even the disciples, the disciples weren't rich, but look at their response. They didn't say, like, oh, yeah, those rich people, blah, blah, blah. The, the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said, again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. So now it's just, it was rich people, now it's children. So that's all of us. How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who can be saved? Who can be saved? This seems impossible. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And this is a verse we love to quote. Right? We, we love to, to quote it. But we need to understand the context. I mean, I remember... I remember in youth group one time sitting there and hearing this verse being spoken and there was no context given. And I remember thinking like, it's like we could like lift a car if we needed to. Like, that's what I was thinking. No, like we can overcome sin. We can live a righteous life. And again, like 
we will fall short, but we will be sanctified. We will look more like Jesus. Right? If we allow the power of God to work in our lives. Right? Let me remind you of 2 Peter chapter 1 where it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So His divine power and our knowledge of Him working together to allow us to live a godly life. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. We can participate in God's divine nature. This, this is mind-blowing. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by what? Evil desires. Right? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These evil desires. Itself. Itself. And the word says... God has given us what we need to die to self. It's the power of God. We can do it through God and our knowledge of Him. So sometimes we try and earn it, right? I'm, I'm going to pray for six hours a day. I'm going to read the Word for six hours a day. And, you know, it, it's all about knowledge. Right? It, it, well, it's... It's not. It's a combination of knowledge and the power of God. And, and it's not just the power of God. Well, I'm, it's, it's the dunamis power and uh, only God, you know. And I, actually, last time I spoke, I spoke on, on that, right? That we need the power of God. That is the saving power. That is the power that's going to sustain us. In our weakness, he is strong. But he's also called us to have a knowledge of him. Right, So it, give, it gives us the tools between his divine power, nothing we can do that is uh, given by God as a gift, and our knowledge of him, then we can um, escape the corruption of the world. We can escape the flesh. That's what we need, right? That's what we need. For these better marriages, being better parents, grandparents, better friends, to die to self, to escape the corruption of the world. It's hard. That is sacrificial, right? To do that is sacrificial. But I want to tell you, that it's worth it. That it's worth it. And this is my closing thought here. That we're back in Mark chapter 10 verse 28. Peter speaks up. Of course Peter would speak up. Uh, we left everything to follow you. We left everything to follow you. And Jesus says truly I tell you. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel 
will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with what? Persecutions. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Uh, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. There's so much in, <laughs> in this statement. But Jesus is like, look, I understand it's sacrificial. What it takes to be, the cost of being a disciple is a lot. It's everything. Right? And, and we harp on this, and it is true, the free gift of salvation. Salvation is free. It's given as a gift. But being a disciple costs you something. And it costs you everything. Right? Because now we, we are submitting to God's will. But it's awesome. Because Jesus says, look, you, you're sacrificing for the kingdom and you will be blessed. You know what? Uh, some of you, you, you had to leave family, leave friends. Well, guess what? I'm putting you into a big old body of believers. Right? Your family just grew a little bit. You're, you're going to be blessed. You're going to reap what you sow. There's going to be fruit. Because at the, at the root of who you are, it is not self. At the root of who you are, it's following me. It's loving me. And so there will be fruit. You are going to reap what you sow, both in this present age and the age to come. Oh, yeah, also part of the fruit of being a Christian is also persecution. Sorry about that. But I love that he threw it in there. Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we're like, this is a little too hard. If, you know, or if God's good, why am I going through this? Or we want to be angry at God because we're, we're going through something. So listen, you're going to go through some things, but you're going to be blessed. And it's worth it. So I want to encourage you with that today. I want to encourage you to really examine your heart. And worship team, you can come. I, I love that um, you played that song, Heart of Worship, because that's what that song is talking exactly about this. It's about coming back to the heart, to the root of what God is calling us to. And it's dying to self, living for God, and seeing his kingdom come in the lives of those around us. So I'm going to give you some time. We, we, we have a few minutes left here. And I want to give you some time to just look in the mirror. The, the Bible says when, when we look at the word of God, it's like looking into a mirror. And we see w what we look like. So I don't know about you, but I, I spent some time preparing this message. I spent some time looking in the mirror. You know, we, we got to examine our hearts today. So if, if you need to sit, if you need to stand, if you need to come to the altar, um, I'm going to encourage you to find your posture of worship to meet with God today. Take a few minutes, examine your heart today.